0: Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. As we begin our Lent series, Covered, A Hidden God Revealed, we will examine an encounter with God who covers himself with clouds. We will discover new ways of relating with God and with each other in humility as he reveals himself to his people at Sinai. Our series... the next few weeks leading up to Easter is called Covered, A Hidden God Revealed. And what we will be doing is we'll be examining different accounts throughout scripture when God comes near to his people, but he's covered up by something. You don't really see him, but you see something. And it means something. Now, these these, uh, encounters with God, the big word for them, it's called Theophanies. Say Theophanies. just rolls right off the tongue. Isn't that nice? Theophanies. And so we'll be, we'll be looking at a number of Theophanies over the next few weeks, and we'll start in the Old Testament. That will lead us to the New Testament. Now, spoiler alert, we recognize Jesus as God completely revealed. So each week, we'll experience these different ways that God acted in the Old Testament that will lead us to Christ, to Jesus, who shows us exactly the character of who God is. But before all of that happens, he shows himself in particular ways that we can't forget about. Because when God, when we approach God, well... You gotta know some things about them. And there's some pretty crazy things about them. So hopefully, this is a blessing to you on Sundays where we basically uncover God in a new way that will help you in your relationship with God and also our relationships with each other. So that's, that's the goal of the next few weeks. So I hope that you are blessed by this. Now, in this, today's passage, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 19, and in this particular theophany, oh, I love, it's so much fun to say, say it again, theophany. Worship is participatory, yes, to say theophany again, yeah, amen. But today, in today's passage, in today's theophany, God is covered by clouds, how many of you ever gone into a cloud before? All of us have. You don't have to get on an airplane to go into a cloud. You can wake up some, some uh, autumn morning and you, you'll find a huge amount of fog in our area, right? You ever woken up and you're like, oh, that's eerie, right? What do we know about clouds? Well, we know that you can, we can walk into them. You can go into one. It's no problem. It's not, you're not going to hit a wall or anything like that. You can, you can go straight in. But once you're in a cloud, things get a little dicey, don't they? Very easily in the midst of clouds, up can become down and down can become up. Left can become right and right can become left. Because when it is thick enough, you lose a sense of direction. You lose bearings. And for this, because of this, clouds, even though you can go straight through them, can legitimately cripple and disrupt our lives. Think about it. Think about the moments where on those particular foggy or low cloud days that airports legitimately have to be grounded. Think about times when, um, and, and it doesn't just have to be moisture clouds, right? It can be, uh, it can be volcanic if you have, we've seen some volcanoes explode over the past few years and you can't see anything because the cloud of ash is th- so thick. And again, you lose your sense of where you are. Add to that that clouds can also conduct electricity. <laughs> That's not a terrifying concept at all, is it? <laughs> clouds, again, don't seem like they're that big of a deal, because you can know, you just go right through it. But let's really be honest, they disrupt our life. They disrupt, and quite frankly, can strike fear into our hearts when we find ourselves in the midst of it. So God comes, in today's passage, in a cloud. And some of the pieces that we talked about of just normal clouds, are a part of today's passage. Just catch you up on on where we are in the story of God. The people of Israel, God's chosen people, have come to a mountain called Sinai. And you need to understand that they didn't just start following this God on their own volition. Rather, God saved them. See these people were enslaved by Egypt for 400 years. They had stories about their God, but it was they were like whispers. It was it was difficult. All of a sudden, God comes to Egypt and he liberates them by appointing a leader named Moses and bringing about events that are terrifying. He brings about plagues upon Egypt to the point that he convinces Pharaoh to let them go. And so they are released. God saves them. God saves the people from slavery. God is a God of liberation. So what they have seen thus far is, hey, we were saved by this power that brought frogs and gnats and all these other kinds of things. We haven't seen him yet. You move forward in the story, and then they go into the wilderness, not knowing where they are, and food starts to run low. Water is nowhere to be found. And then this God who saved also provides what they need to continue their journey to wherever he's taking them. So God, this God, again, provides a work that liberates them, and he provides a work that provides for them, but they haven't seen him. And a number of times in Exodus leading up to this moment, the reason why God is doing this is so that my people can worship me, that they can experience me, that they can be my people of sorts, they they were not his people as slaves and they were not and so he does all this thing he draws near to them first but they haven't seen him yet so at mount sinai in exodus chapter 19 they're here to worship him and god is going to come near and they're finally going to see something exodus chapter 19 beginning with verse 9 reads This. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm about to come to you in a thick cloud in order that the people will hear me talking to you so that they will always trust you. Moses told the Lord what the people said. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and take today and tomorrow and make them holy. Have them wash their clothes. Be ready for the third day because on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai for all the people to see. Set up a fence for all the people all around, and tell them, be careful not to go up to the mountain or to touch any part of it. Anyone who touch, even touches the mountain must be put to death. No one should touch anyone who has touched it, or they must, either be, they must be either stoned to death or shot with arrows. Whether an animal or a human being, they must not be allowed to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds may they go up on the mountain. So Moses went down the mountain to his people. He made sure the people were holy and that they washed their clothes. He told the men, prepare yourselves for three days. Don't go near a woman. When morning dawned on the third day, there was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud blast of a horn. And all the people in the camp shook with fear. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their place at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was all in smoke. Because the Lord had come down on it with lightning and the smoke went up like the smoke of a hot furnace while the entire mountain shook violently and the blasts of the horn grew louder and louder and Moses would speak and God would answer him with thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to come to the top of the mountain and Moses went up and the Lord said to Moses go down and warn the people not to break through and try to see the Lord or many of them will fall dead. Even the priests who come near to the Lord must keep themselves holy or the Lord will break loose against them. Moses said to the Lord, the people aren't allowed to come up on Mount Sinai because you warned us and said, set up a fence around the mountain to keep it holy. A little redundant. (laughs) The Lord said to him, go down and bring Aaron back up with you. But the priests and the people must not break through and come up to the Lord. Otherwise, the Lord will break loose against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Now, if you're reading this, thinking to yourself, wait, what's happening here? (laughs) Okay, I get that there's a cloud and there's some lightning, but then it's like smoke, like a furnace, and then horns are blowing in the background. What is going, like, how does anybody even understand or get a complete picture of what's going on here on this mountain. You're not alone. <laughs> the account is messy because, quite frankly, in the original Hebrew, you can tell that the writers are having a difficult time to put, to put the picture into words. There's probably even greater things happening here than what we have received. You get a sense of it, though, right? There's a cloud on a mountain. There's electricity going. There's, like, earthquakes happening. Horns are blowing. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of power. There's a lot of things here that would be terrifying, <laughs> right? And I guarantee you, because I've, I've learned this as a human, as the people encounter God, covered up by this cloud and all of this other things that are happening, some of them are terrified and are filled with adrenaline and they can't remember exactly all that they saw. Or again, it's so much that they just can't write it all down. You know this, right? You know why? Do you know why when you go into a convenience store there is four, five, six on the door? Do you know why that's there? because people are terrible at remembering a robbery. (laughs) We do. When we get jolted with energy and adrenaline or fear, we often forget pieces of details, and that's why witnesses can be so all over the place in moments like this. So this encounter is amazing, and it's terrifying, but the people are drawn to see what's going to happen here. They're, they're still there, right? At a distance. What is it about us as humans that are being drawn to things that might scare us or repulse us even? It's actually a very common thing throughout Scripture and, and a lot of these theophanies. Rudolf Aldo, who, who is a German theologian, speaks about encounters with God having this fascination, i got to see, and then dread at the same time. He writes this, At Mount Sinai, the people are drawn to the mystery of the sacred mountain, but they stand back in fear and dread, lest they be consumed by divine holiness. not surprising their encounter with this god has been a lot of power moves plagues all of it i'm not sure what to think about this god it's like one of those things having an elite defensive end on your football team you're terrified of that human being but i'm glad he's on our team <laughs> that's probably how they felt i am terrified of this god but i'm glad that he saved us and i'm really glad that he provided for us in the wilderness there is this fascination but a dread at the same time. So why does God come like this? Why does God come to them shrouded in a cloud? We don't get a complete answer on that. We don't. We do understand that this is a moment where the people will be able to worship God because that's what had been previously shared in the accounts before this. But also, we read today, I'm going to come to you, you, Moses, so that people will hear me talking to you and that they will trust you. So God comes in a cloud with all of this power so that they can worship him, but also so that they can trust Moses who has led them this far. And who is the one who goes up into the clouds on the mountain? It's Moses. I'm reminded of moments whenever I was a kid or maybe I've seen this played out in a number of stories, but you have a group of friends and you come across something that's a little freaky or you're not too sure about and things like that. And who's going to go first, right? M- Moses is the one who's going to go first in this. Yeah, yeah, Moses, you, you take care of that, bud. You, you, you go up into that cloud full of lightning that's like a furnace and this is terrifying. You go for it as Moses goes up there, God begins to talk to him. Now, our our translation said to speak with him with thunder. It might be thunder. It might just be this boisterous kind of voice. Either case, also like kids, the people of Israel are getting to eavesdrop. They hear Moses saying something, and then they hear... What is he saying? I don't know. Do you not hear the horn playing wherever it's playing? Do you not hear the thunder? I can't hear anything. <laughs> God has his reasons to be shrouded, to be not seen. God has his reasons to come in a cloud. It's not the time yet for all the people to be in that place. He's setting up something for the people. And I think that's something that we can really struggle with. God is God. He can do whatever he wants. (laughs) Right? Previously, whenever Moses talks to God, you know what God calls himself? I am who I am. What does that mean? I'll be whatever I want to be. I am what I am. I was what I was. I'll show up to you in whatever way that I deem fit for you. God is God, and we are not. And so there is always a mystery. There's always a piece of mystery because God comes to humanity on his terms. We don't like that. Oh, I imagine God to be like this, and I imagine God to be like that. Flashes of Talladega Nights just flash in my head. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, I like the infant Jesus the most. That's not how God works. You don't get the I like this version of God the most. God is God. He will be who he will be, and he will come when he decides to come. And how he appears is how he decides to appear. Walter Brueggemann says even God's direct presence will be shrouded in mystery and shadow. And the most that is intended is that God will speak, and Israel will hear. Sorry, Israel, you don't get to use your eyes today. Let's let's use our ears all of us are sitting on the floor in kindergarten. But there's one other piece to this that's really interesting. For them to hear this conversation, they're not seeing God, but just to hear this conversation between Moses and God, they have to do something. Over three days, they are to wash their garments and to be made pure, holy, they're supposed to do something to prepare for this. Just to hear God, they are asked to prepare for this moment. It's almost like uh, getting cleaned up for that first date. Hey, I'm going to come near in three days. Get cleaned up. Okay. Okay. Now, the reason why they are to wash their garments is that some believe that their garments came from Egypt. And because they were Egyptian garments, they were often made in maybe allegiance to another god or to another power. To clean them was to prepare what they had for what God, for God's presence. And I think that's the one piece that God coming in a cloud and saying, hey, y'all need to prepare for this. He's showing that you don't get to come near to me and live life like normal. My presence is disruptive. Just like a cloud is disruptive in an airport, the presence of God is disruptive. You cannot experience God and be the same. Because he is so different. So different than what we want him to be. So different than what we expect him to be. His holiness, his otherness is drawing near. And you can't just, I'm just going to wear these holy jeans I've got on. Yes, there's a joke there for holy jeans, I know. I'm not going to entertain it. your life is going to change in the presence of God. The meeting is an entry into the holiness for worship. It's a high-risk situation, and it requires preparation. To experience everything that God has for you, you have to be open to Him. You have to be willing to do something different. You have to be willing to be humble. You have to be humble to receive what he gives. You have to be humble enough to accept God as he is. I was expecting God to be different than this. No, sorry, you're just getting a cloud on a mountain. You have to to humble yourself, prepare yourself for all that God is going to move you into. So all of this, as we take all of these pieces of this theophany, God is disruptive, God is powerful, and he comes on his own terms. We will be changed in the presence of God. What does that speak to us as Christians in 2022? Or maybe you're not a Christian, and you're you're looking to maybe draw nearer to God, and trying to understand who this God is. Well, this is the good news. We live after Christ. God has drawn near to the world, not just to the people of Israel, to the world as his son, Jesus. He comes to us first. It's never, oh, i got to go find God. No, no, God comes first. He comes on his own terms. And how did he come? He brought liberation. He brings forth forgiveness from our sins. He brings us life out of death. He saves us from sin and death. And he provides for us, just like he provided for the people of Israel. To live in the way that his son lived. So God has moved to us first. So this encounter with God on Sinai and our encounters with God, we have to recognize that God has been moving long before we came to that experience or that encounter with And because he is disruptive and because he comes as he does and because he appears as he does and because he asks for preparation, these are the things that we should remember when we are trying to follow after God. God doesn't give us what we want sometimes. He is God and we are not. I want God to be this. Well, that's nice, but he is what he is. You don't get to dictate who God is. Well, I want my life to look like this, and I want to, to take this philosophy that I learned from, from growing up, or I want this particular way of living to, to jive with it. No, no, no. You get what he gives. He comes and He gives as He does. We are not entitled to anything with this God. And because of that, we have to remain humble. And we must be willing to change. We must be willing to give over sin. We must be willing to let go of how we treat others even if it's not like a bad thing. We have to let go of those things. We have to let go of the things that we know and receive what he has given. Because he is who he is. And the beautiful piece of this is that this account that we have read doesn't end here. In the next chapter, God will will talk to Moses Say, here, this is how you be my people. You're worshiping me here now. Now, this is how you be my people. I have set you aside to be a blessing for this world. Here's how you do it. That's how you get the Ten Commandments. We must be humble because God has been humble with us. Instead of staying back shrouded in lightning and clouds and stuff, He goes to them and says, look, Be my people in this way. I want you to partner with me. My work doesn't have to be just done by me. I want you to join me in making this world a blessing. Thanks be to God. God is humble by coming to us and giving us all that we need. We respond in humility ourselves. The other piece that I want to share with you is what does this mean for our relationships with other people? Because there is something going on here. Remember why God does this. So that people will trust Moses, right? Moses. He gets to go into the mountain. Lucky him. Have you ever been jealous when somebody says, God did this in my life? but he didn't do it like he didn't do that for you. There's a meme that goes around social media of a a TV preacher. I don't know which TV preacher it was. And the caption says, God, what they have, I want for me. (laughs) That's that's, That's not how we're to go about these ways. God has a reason for speaking to Moses so that they trust Moses. He has his reasons for that. He does. And the key to that is to be humble and to recognize that Moses going up to that cloud is going to affect Bob, who's all the way in the back row watching this happen. Do you know what I mean by this? God is going to work with Moses and actually with Aaron, too. And on the other side of this, the entire assembly are going to be blessed by what God has done behind that cloud. God puts people in our lives to help us. And God helps you to help others. God works in us to help others and God works in others to help us. And if we cut ourselves off from each other, this "This is about my faith. This is about my faith. I can do faith by myself. No, you can't. Because you will learn when you gather together with others what God has been doing in somebody else's life. And what God has been doing within you, you can share an amazing love with them. Do you see this now? See how theophanies are awesome? But at the key of all of this, friends, is humility. We have to accept God as he is, and we have to accept others who he has put into our lives. For God might work in our relationships with others and, of course, with him. I was thinking of a way of of trying to wrap this all up of, of something that is very pertinent that we've all experienced. And I was just reminded of, quite frankly, a new, a new relationship. It doesn't have to be romantic, okay? How many of you remember, maybe way back when, when you started spending time with another person and you said... I think this person can be my friend, right? Or maybe you, you spend time, I don't know if you might remember this or not, when you become an adult in the family and you begin to talk to that aunt or that uncle or, that, or even your parents in a different way, like you're, you're actually able to talk about adult things because you were a kid, you were at the Thanksgiving kid table for all those years, and now you can talk to that family member with personal experiences, right? There's a newness, there's a freshness to that relationship, Right? And the beautiful thing about this is that when there is a fresh thing happening, just like in this moment, whenever they are drawing near to God, there is a bit of a, well, excitement. And there's a little bit of fear. What if they say something that I really don't like? What if I see a side of them that I don't like? Now, usually what happens is excitement supersedes the fear. Especially in romantic relationships. Oh, he's so wonderful. You know, all those things. But that relationship, as it goes on, more things will be revealed. Because you and I cannot control that other person. What they are willing to reveal to you in that moment is what they reveal to you. See the wisdom, how it came back at the beginning of everything? You don't get to manipulate somebody into telling you everything about them. You only receive what they offer. That's who God is. Every relationship requires humility. Every relationship has this dread but also this fascination. And God is the same exact way except God is bigger than any human. God has provided and loved you Far before this moment, and he will continue to love you far after this moment. And he wants to do something new in you. So receive what he gives to you, receive his love and his grace, receive his way of living, receive his presence, and recognize that you will be different visit us at ChampionNAS.org.